Hey everyone, and welcome back. This episode is part two of Legends. This episode, I'll be talking about the headless nun of Miramichi, Penelope, the Grey Island Ghost, the elusive Ogopogo, and Skeleton Park. I would also like to remind you all that you can have your very own piece of Real Scary merch. Just check out my website at realscarypodcast.ca. It's under the heading Merch. If you enjoy this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast and giving it a five-star rating on whichever platform you listen on. So this will really help me out to be exposed to new listeners and thus grow my show. I also have another way for listeners to show their support. You can now buy me a coffee. So no, it's not really going towards a coffee, but... The donation is a nice and small amount, some may say, about the price of a cup of coffee. So I will be using these funds to put back into the podcast new equipment, contests, all sorts of things. Simply go to realscarypodcast.ca and there is a link on the main page. Just click the coffee mug and you will be ready to donate if you so choose. So now, without further ado, let's get started. The first legend I want to share with you is the Headless Nun of Miramichi, New Brunswick. This story starts in the mid-1700s in a place known as French Fort Cove at the Northumberland Strait. Acadians were transported to this fort to help with the struggle that was occurring during the British and French at the time. The Acadians were French descendants who settled in Acadia, which is now Atlantic Canada. This includes New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and PEI, or Prince Edward Island. Many were killed by disease and drowning, among many other things, of course. One of these Acadians was Sister Marie, who requested to be sent to the fort to help those in the grips of disease and despair. She is known as Sister Marie Inconus, which is Latin for unknown. She would have been a welcome savior to those in the grips of hardships such as malnourishment, fatigue, leprosy, etc., etc., etc. The list goes on and on. She is described as someone with a great compassion for her fellow people and wanted nothing more than to bring hope to them during this horrible time. Another service that she apparently offered was to keep watch over the valuables of the parishioners that she oversaw. She promised that she would hide their jewels or money, and when everything was over, she could return it all to them. She is said to have buried the treasure somewhere, but she would never be able to reunite those items with their owners, for she would be killed before she had that chance. Much like many of our legends, and like the fireship in last episode, when we're talking about events that are supposed to have occurred so long ago, it's really hard to know what could have been the true story. So one story is that a madman went on a rampage and beheaded Sister Marie. Another and seemingly more popular story is that a couple of British sailors came into the knowledge that Sister Marie knew of a large cache of treasure somewhere. Some stories even say that the sailors might have been mad with scurvy, But whatever their mental state at the time, 
it was demanded of her to reveal the location of the loot. When she refused, she was attacked, beaten, and beheaded. In each of the stories, one common thread is that her head was never recovered. The rest of her body would be found and returned to France, but her spirit would remain in search of her missing head. It's said that she will appear to anyone who dares to search for the treasure, or that she will simply appear to people in the area, pleading for mercy and aid in finding her missing appendage. I read a really interesting article where the famous story of the Headless Horseman that was written in 1820 was referenced, but they noted that talk of the Headless Nun has actually been spoken about long before that story was written. So kind of interesting, because some people might think that that could have been an influence for this legend. So that's very interesting. People can visit the French Fort Cove in Miramichi, which is now a provincial park. There are guided tours, hiking, and various other activities. So are you brave enough to chance an encounter with Sister Marie Unknown? The next story is about a spirit named Penelope, a scorned woman who roams the Dalhousie campus in Halifax. This legend has been around since the 1920s. Dalhousie University was founded in 1818, though the instructions were sporadic over the next 50 years, with the first degrees not being awarded until 1866. Now, of course, the campus grew and changed over the years, and the building that is the focus of our legend today is called Sheref Hall, built in 1923. So, staff used to live in the area above the kitchen here, known as the servants' quarters. This is important because in some versions of the story, she was a worker who may have lived in this area. The legend goes that a beautiful young maid had a tryst with a professor. She would become pregnant, and he refused her and their baby to be. Devastated, she hung herself in the bell tower. So, There is actually technically no bell tower. I will have an image of the hall up on the blog for you to see. Now, there is a tower, but it's part of an attic on the fourth floor in the old eddy wing. But it does sound more romantic to say a bell tower. I mentioned that there are a couple of other versions to this story. Another is that Penelope was a student who had an affair with a professor, and just like in the other story, a baby was conceived, only to be denied by him, leaving the beautiful young woman hanging in the tower. I did read one more story that it was a young student who was distraught over the loss of her love to the sea. Left distraught, she climbed the tower and ended her life. So, seems, though, that the most popular version is, of course, the professor and the student or the professor and the maid, locked in a forbidden relationship. People claim to see a beautiful woman in an ethereal, flowing blue dress, wandering Sheriff Hall. Now, as far as I've been able to tell, and from what the university has said in the past, there was no person, no event that took place matching this story. But we know that doesn't mean paranormal events aren't happening. And of course, this building has been around for so long. So 
there's bound to be much energy there. So there are for sure some really interesting stories from students and staff over the years. This building is currently a co-ed student residence. A former student spoke of an incident of waking up in the night and hearing a creepy racket coming from her phone. Her roommate's laptop turned on in the night. And in fact, this is one of the most common occurrences for people here. Reports of lights and electronics turning on and off on their own. Doors opening or unlocking as well. Now, this is a really cool one. A former resident manager saw a set of wet footprints along a freshly cleaned hallway. They walked straight up to a wall and disappeared. Another account from this same woman is that one time when she and another person were in a stairwell, they heard loud organ music playing. It could only be heard in that stairwell, and there was no reasonable explanation for it. And in fact, she made it a point to say there was no organ in the entire building. Legend goes, if you see the ghost of Penelope, she is warning you that you will have your heart broken. So I love a good spirit with a lesson. And it seems like Penelope is looking out for the hearts of future students. The next story is about the White Lady of Grey Island Cemetery. This cemetery is in the beautiful town of Hillsborough, New Brunswick. I know, New Brunswick. I love it. I love it. Such an amazing place. Deep within this peaceful cemetery is a cluster of graves weathered with age. One in particular would be sure to catch your eye. A large stone monument. The family name Steve's adorns what looks like a couch. And then in the center stands a statue. A woman in a flowing robe. Her right hand is missing and her head. Of course, this is not what she looked like originally. It's said that the statue had ruby eyes and a diamond ring on her right hand. So as with other legends, again, there are some different versions of this story. The most common is that a man's beloved wife was murdered in 1871. He was so devastated, he couldn't live without her. He settled for what he believed was the next best thing, and had a statue carved in her likeness and placed over her grave. He would sit with the statue every day, It was observed by other locals that he appeared to carry on conversations with this statue. A few years later, his body was found at the base of her statue. His grief was just too much to bear. Some stories say that the original statue was actually built on his property and that after his death, it was moved to the cemetery to the family plot. The legend says that if you cover your eyes, and walk three times around the statue, stopping with your back to her, that she will reach out and tap you on the shoulder. There is another version of this legend, I think less accepted, but there is another version where you circle the statue three times when you stop in front of the statue facing her and look up into her eyes, you would see human eyes looking back at you and she will be crying tears of blood. Now, I mentioned that her right hand is missing, and now her head as well. Some people believe that thieves stole her hand with the diamond ring, 
And others say that too many people were frightened by the ghost tapping them on the shoulders that the cemetery staff removed the hand. You remove the hand, and the spirit cannot use it to tap people. Makes sense. Well, apparently it doesn't matter. Now, perhaps the same logic was applied to the head, and is why the head is now missing. If you remove the head, she can't look at people. So there are some things that are known about this grave, and in fact about this cluster of graves. The monument belongs to Mary Ann Steves. She was born August 26, 1847, and passed at 24 years old on September 25, 1871. She was buried next to her brother John, who passed at five years old. Her mother Jane and father Richard Steves are also buried in that cluster. There is no husband. Perhaps the devastated man was actually her father. Or maybe there was no husband. Maybe that part of the whole story is fiction. I'll of course have photos up on the blog so you can see what is left of the White Lady of Grey Island Cemetery. But the real question is, would you be brave enough to circle her? I feel like I would want to try this one. So let me know what you think. This next legend I want to talk about is kind of near and dear to my heart. It is a legend out of British Columbia. So for me, I usually attribute this legend to Penticton and Kelowna. For those of you who have not been to either of these places, they are so beautiful, perfect, idyllic summer towns. My family used to vacation in Penticton yearly if possible, and I just love it so much. This legend has been a part of my childhood, and this is the legend of the Ogopogo. This is a serpent-like sea monster and often referred to as Canada's Loch Ness. This sea monster is believed to inhabit the waters of the Okanagan. Now, the Okanagan Valley is located in southern BC. The Okanagan River runs a long length with a Soyuz at the southernmost end and the Shushwap Lake at the northernmost tip. So in the middle is a cluster of locations that I'm most familiar with, as I mentioned. So Penticton, Summerland, Peachland, and Kelowna. So when you visit these places, their souvenir shops and even just decorations around the town are usually packed with happy Ogopogo souvenirs. In fact, I will try to find this photo I have from a few years back in Kelowna, um, standing with their famous Ogopogo statue. So I will try to find it and post it on the blog for you all to see. So it is believed that the stories of the Ogopogo originated with Indigenous folklore. The legend is about a water serpent that would require a live sacrifice in order for travelers to have a safe passage across the Okanagan. The sightings have been reported as far back as 1872, and as recent as this year. The sightings often refer to humps that appear to come out of the water, as if a large serpent-like creature is surfacing. It's described as snake-like with green, gray, or dark-colored skin. Some have even described ears or horns on its head. And some have said that it looks like a log that has come to life. Now, apparently back in the 1980s, a tourist board here in Canada offered $1 million to anyone who could prove its existence. 
Needless to say, the prize was never claimed, but I'm positive many, many tried. There is a great website that I'll link on the blog called ogopogoquest.com. They have a really great comprehensive list of sightings and any photos or videos that accompany them. There are some really interesting videos out there, but is it true? Well, one thing we know is that there are vast portions of this world, and of Canada specifically as well, that we know nothing about that are unexplored. Ancient species, new species, long believed to be extinct animals are discovered and rediscovered all the time. Of course, it's possible that something could be lurking in the depths of the Okanagan. But there are many theories and explanations as well that could explain some of the things that are seen. Most of the explanations are of different animals that might be too far away to be properly identified. Things like beavers, sturgeon, um, whales, manatee, all sorts of different things. It could also be a common water anomaly that causes an illusion on the water's surface. Of course, like all cryptic cases, there have never been clear photos or a clear, not shaky video to show definitively whether it exists. But I tell you what, though, I still look out for the Ogopogo because you just never know. The last story that I wanted to share with you is another cemetery. This is the story of Skeleton Park in Kingston, Ontario. This location is currently a beautiful park, but once was called the Garrison Burial Ground, which serviced the St. Frontenac Fort. The last burials occurred in 1830. It's believed that this site held over 10,000 bodies since its start in 1654. When the graveyard was abandoned in 1896, it was actually used as a garbage dump. Literally, just garbage thrown on top of graves, on top of headstones. Homes were built around the perimeter, and calls to clean up the site were becoming so frequent that the city finally agreed to make it a park. Now, remember, this was back in the very end of 1800s or early 1900s when this was happening. So the city came out And when the bodies were being dug up to be moved, and remember, they didn't have excavators, they didn't have all of that stuff, so things were being dug up by hand. The surrounding inhabitants complained of the smell of rotting corpses. Others also felt bad that the dead were being disturbed. So the solution was that the city flattened over the site, tombstones and all, and put a layer of dirt over top, and left it like that. It's so common for headstones and bones to come up through the soil, and archaeologists will be called to investigate every time this happens. This kind of reminds me of Ness Cemetery. So supposedly this site is still legally considered a cemetery. During some of the archaeological investigations in the past, it was determined that many of the graves were used for multiple bodies. So they would have one grave, and it would have three to five bodies stacked on top of each other. There was also another reason that the city back then was nervous of disturbing these graves. There were large numbers of people who passed due to cholera, diphtheria, and typhus. 
and many people were afraid that they were still contagious. So the soil actually has a very high water content, and this preserved the bodies really well. So that also made people nervous because if they died of something contagious and their bodies are that well preserved, they could absolutely still be dangerous. So it's not surprising that there is paranormal activity here. Duh. Apparitions have been seen here and apparently clowns also, which is horrifying. I don't know if it's related or if it's some sort of prank, but that was listed on a site. (laughs) Many of the apparitions are wounded, which tracks as there would have been a number of soldiers and those lost in battles buried here. People feel like they're being watched or like they're not welcome. Voices, screaming, and crying have also all been heard here. The houses around the perimeter also claim to experience strange things, such as lights going on and off, doors opening and closing, and even apparitions seen in their homes. Um, I will definitely be posting pictures, of course, on the blog, and you can see kind of how close these homes are. Claims of spectral children running around during the day and then just vanishing are also very common. So the legend of this park is that in the light of a full moon, all is revealed. The park will vanish and you will be able to see the graveyard as it once was. Tombstones and all. So I think that's really cool. That is something I would love to go when there's a full moon. So that's really neat. So if you are ever in the area, make sure to take a stroll through McBurney Park and perhaps tread lightly. So that is all for this episode. I really hope you've enjoyed these legends. They were a lot of fun to look into. Make sure to tune in next time. I will be talking about some really cool historical homes. If you have any legends from your area, please let me know. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you want to support me and support this podcast, there are many ways to do so. As I said off the top, purchasing merch or donating through Buy Me A Coffee are great ways, but there are also other ways. If you're not in a position to donate financially, subscribing and rating the podcast on whichever platform you listen on, interacting with social media posts are also great ways to support. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to check out the blog at realscarypodcast.ca. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at realscarypodcast and feel free to email me at realscarypodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this is your friendly neighborhood host, Elise.